0: when opportunities were presented, I took them. And in a number of cases, it was really outside my comfort zone, but it was through that discomfort and the change that I really grew as a leader and a teacher.
1: Hey there, and welcome back to Your Source for everything and anything public education in Canada. I'm your host, Juliana Mako, and it's my pleasure to bring you a new episode in our Women Leaders in Education podcast series. Today's episode features Connie Keaton, the president of the New Brunswick Teachers Association, also known as NBTA. In this episode, she recounts her increasing involvement in the NBTA leading up to her presidency, the challenges facing women in leadership, and the advice that she received from others that helped her along the way. Join me as we learn more about the women leading their teacher organizations throughout the CTF-FCER membership.
0: Thank you so much for
1: joining us. My pleasure. Last time we spoke with you in 2019, you were a branch president of MBTA, and now two years into pandemic, you become president. How has that been?
0: Certainly very challenging. I never would have ever in my wildest dreams ever thought that I'd be leading through the pandemic. I would have actually thought that I was leading post-pandemic, but here we are really in, in the midst, still very challenging days. And for many teachers, they're saying that in their entire career, this is the most difficult year. So that has, you know, motivated me even more although we're facing some significant challenges for sure.
1: Right. So let's go back to the classroom for a moment here. Can you tell us a little bit about how your experiences in the classroom informed your leadership journey?
0: I'm a high school English language arts teacher. I did have a little bit of experience at the elementary level just uh, in my internship and was in the middle school for a brief time, but I work in a to K-12 school which has allowed me to see the good and the bad of all levels, the challenges. And so I certainly feel that I was informed of the various issues as I sought to pursue my goal of becoming president of the association.
1: Now, looking back on those experiences, you mentioned that you were a full-time teacher whenever you got involved in the union, and that was a bit of a challenge. When did you decide to take on the union work full-time, and what was maybe the motivators there?
0: Within our association, you don't actually become full-time until you become president, which in itself is challenging. So certainly the two times that I ran um, for the position, first off, just a little bit of background and how it works within our organization. So I would have run initially to become vice president of the association. That still requires you to teach full time and be in that role. That round, I wasn't successful and became motivated from the loss, actually. And looking um, back, really see that as a blessing in disguise. Once I lost, the next year I continued on in my role as branch president and worked toward planning what would my next campaign, because the next campaign was for president-elect. So there was uh, a lot more at stake. And so I set out, um, it'll reflected on uh, my past campaign, was very fortunate to have a lot of support. However, the second round, something very interesting happened, the pandemic happened. And so for the very first time, our election became an online election and that initially i without a doubt panicked at first because i didn't know what exactly that meant for the election uh, would it happen uh, would it be delayed i know what exactly would it look like and so when it was officially declared an online election and that i wouldn't be able to campaign and get out into our schools it required a big pivot and a lot of thinking And after initial anxiety of what I was going to do, um, kind of settled in and said, you know what, there are people with expertise in technology. That was something that I wasn't uh, overly skilled at. And so I just reached out to community people, to teachers that I knew who I knew had the skills and brought them on my team. And then we set out a plan.
1: Wonderful. Now, whenever you first joined the union, you probably didn't imagine yourself to be in the position you are today, but you spoke a little bit about some of the barriers with the pandemic. Are there any other barriers being in your leadership role that you've had to face since?
0: I would say certainly the pandemic was significant um, because the majority of the interactions have been online, and I am a person who thrives on building relationships, and that was one of the things that I ran on was. Ensuring that teachers had a voice, that I would listen to teachers, and that I would build relationships with them. And the pandemic changed that, certainly, or how we do that. So I would absolutely say that the communication that initially that I had envisioned that I would be doing didn't come to pass. And so that was a huge barrier. How would I communicate messages with our members? And again, it it was a result of reaching out and having conversations, you know, watching what was going on in the world because there were other elections going on, but a lot of them provincially and so forth were postponed, yet the MBTA election continued on. So there wasn't a whole lot of exemplars for us to follow. So it was a matter of reinventing yourself and then moving forward.
1: So let's go back to a moment to uh, your testimonial in 2019. And you mentioned that there wasn't a lot of people in line for these leadership positions and not a lot of women. Do you know why that might be the case? Or maybe what supports should be out there in order to support women who want to run for leadership roles?
0: I, I distinctly remember noting that, you know, women still in 2022, for the most part, are the caregivers in the home. Although I know that many of my colleagues uh, who are males definitely have, you know, shared dual roles of raising their children. But I think that when women look at the commitment that's needed and they look at their family, sometimes they think that they can't have both. And that is definitely a significant barrier. As far as moving from that point, I think what's something that often may get in the way is putting yourself out there. And knowing that there will be criticism, and that is absolutely very scary. Certainly, as I came into this role, I will be very honest that the first few times that I had some rather critical, nasty emails, uh, they stung. But it was a matter of understanding that it wasn't really me that they were being critical of, it was the situation. The pandemic has created some very challenging situations in our schools and in our classrooms. And the supports that have been needed just haven't been in place.
1: So speaking of supports, what's out there to support or what has helped you in your journey?
0: For the most part, I would say team effort. So as I became uh, president of the association, I have a tremendous team at the MBTA who guide, direct, we can bounce ideas off each other. I have an exceptional executive director. She's actually, Artist Shirley is the very first female executive director of the New Brunswick Teachers Association. We started together on the same day and we've just come through the last eight months on this journey together and supporting each other along with our staff.
1: Now, when we talk about supports, you mentioned some people that were there throughout your journey to help you. Is there anyone else maybe that helped you out from the beginning to get you to where you are today?
0: Absolutely. There are, would be a significant number of people. And I know that I previously mentioned that I got in the association initially because I was being interviewed to get a contract, uh, a permanent contract. And my vice principal noted that he recognized some leadership skills and suggested that I take on a role in the following year perhaps as a school rep for the association and so I promised to do that knowing that I really wanted that contract and so I became the school rep but by Christmas of the same school year I was branch president and in 2019 I was back uh, having moved up the ranks so I was school uh, rep for a short time then I became branch president And I sat on a number of committees. I tried to consistently take on all the roles that that were possible within the branch, and just made sure that whenever an opportunity arose, that I took it. And so, by the time it, I just made the decision to run for president. I had I pretty well knew the roles, but I would say that you're never fully prepared to jump into the seat of a president, certainly um, during a pandemic but there would have been those administrators who who pushed me. Also, before I came into the school, when I first left university, there weren't a lot of jobs in the early 90s, especially for English language arts teachers. And so I found myself working for an early intervention agency in Moncton, and it was run by the late Claudette Bradshaw. And working for Claudette... Um, absolutely changed my life and how I interacted with people. We worked mainly with low socioeconomic families, a lot of single mothers. And during the seven years that I was there, the government uh, removed a lot of the funding and she was very motivated to somehow battle that. And to make a long story short, she ended up becoming a member of parliament And, you know, made change that way. And and one of her philosophy was that regardless of, you know, the color of the political party that you supported or your socioeconomic status, that when there's an issue, especially around children and education and literacy, that everybody needed to come to the table, all the stakeholders. And so I always had that, you know, on my mind and understanding that I needed to listen and motivated uh, for change by just bringing people together to have those conversations. And so that's definitely influenced me greatly. And as well, there have been, and I noted um, also in my last interview that Uh, A former MBTA president and former CTF president, Heather Smith, was crucial. Her and I sat down just before I ran and I said, we need to talk this out. You know, what am I in for? What advice would you give me? And we sat down over coffee at McDonald's and had that conversation. And so that was, you know, further motivation for me to run And then when I did announce my candidacy, I was able to garner more support and a lot of female teachers for sure.
1: So you've shared already some great advice that you've received, as well as some words of wisdom that you have yourself. Is there anything else that you want to add maybe for other women who are pursuing leadership?
0: First of all, I think it's really important um, to get involved in your association, your union you know, as early as possible in your career to have an understanding of how it works, the services that are offered, certainly just getting involved in opportunities that come your way right out of the gate, even though things are very difficult in the classroom. There's a lot of commitment, but I think that it's very worthwhile. You know, a very wise uh, former executive director of our union said to get involved in your union before you actually need the services of the union. And that's always stuck in my head as well. And so that's the first thing that I would advise. And certainly I am very quick when new teachers uh, come into my building or I meet them somewhere that I'm telling them about those opportunities and, and encouraging that. And, you know, the other thing that I would recommend is that certainly that there needs to be supports in place for females, knowing that, you know, they may be raising a family, they may actually be involved in their community in other ways, and just the belief that they are very capable Sometimes those leadership skills need to be nurtured. And I think it's a responsibility, actually, of us all to note those leadership skills and to bring them to the attention.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up?
0: Just appreciate, you know, the opportunity. Certainly looking back, I never would have seen myself in this particular seat. But certainly, again, it was about answering the call when opportunities were presented. I took them. And in a number of cases, it was really outside my comfort zone. But it was through that discomfort and the change that I really grew as a leader and a teacher. And I think that's really important to remember for anyone aspiring to a leadership position.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode in our Women Leaders in Education series. We have plenty more episodes coming your way, so remember to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Thank you for listening and tuning in to Your Source.